Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconstein from Falcon Screen, and we are. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Feedback taken on board. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was pointed out to me that my namesake uh, film side is more similar to another enunciation of my name, which is often used by members of my family. So. I've been encouraged and will now continue to do so because it Falcon makes more literal from sense. Falcon Screen. I this love will forever be the correct pronunciation or the preferred pronunciation. Yeah, now. yeah, but you were allowed to call you Glenn Falkenstein in other contexts, but just in the Film Fight Club intro. Mm. All members of my family will thus be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we also have Chris Evans, Sydney filmmaker. Hey, yo. Freelance writer and critic for Art Nehru. Hello, hello. And joining us, co-founder and manager of Static Vision Sydney and Melbourne and around the world, Felix Hubble. Hey, that's me. Static Vision International. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> static Visionary. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> static at all. So, uh, yeah, Static Vision, it just happened. Dreamscapes. We've talked about it in the past couple of weeks, but tell us, Pink Flamingo, if you had a wonderful week and an encore screening, how did it go? Yeah, yeah, it all went really well. Uh, big success, big success on paper, but also spiritually. I had a really good time. I think people kind of had a really good time. Um, I think it's kind of heartening to see so many people come out and watch sort of weird movies um, in such big numbers, like post-COVID. The turnout was genuinely yeah. impressive from oh, someone yeah. not involved in I the was organization. Shocked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And just such a good vibe people had seen in ages, a lot of just interesting Sydney-created films, a lot of people in the film community. Yeah, That's absolutely. true. It was good to come to hang out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, like, we got a nice mix of different people on each of the days as well, and the encore was a bunch of different phases too, so... Um, yeah, great success for us, but also on a personal level, I, I just think it's cool that it looks like things are going to be thriving and kicking off properly once Sydney Film Festival's back and, you know, August every other... 8th. Yeah, August 8th on that one, and then, yeah, everything else, like the uh, Sydney Sci-Fi Film Festival, um, big shouts, obviously. Um, but, yeah, every other sort of festival event in Sydney um, that is Sydney-focused, I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, hopefully MIF doesn't mean that we're all miffed after that, but we'll see. We'll wait and find out. There's a crossover with the Sydney Film Festival we've discussed. We'll be covering both come the entire month of August. We'll try. Um, speaking of local film events, just a couple of things in news in the week. The German Film Festival is ongoing now, and Melbourne's Open Night Film Night Filmonic, which is streaming online in New South Wales and elsewhere, is having its event tomorrow night. You can still get some flicks in. And Static Vision. Yeah, uh, well, we will have announced by this time, assuming I push it out. If not, this is an exclusive for you. But, uh, yeah, we're coming to Melbourne. Uh, Dreamscapes will be at the Lido Cinemas from July 15th to 18th. We're going to have a couple of extra films in there, and that means we'll also be bringing a couple of extra films to Sydney. Very cool. Nice. Will those be just Lido's showing beautiful. at the uh, like palace screenings or something? Or oh, Pink Flamingo? Absolutely, TBA. I would say probably Pink Flamingo, unless unless they're really, really big, in which case it might pop out to Ritz or something. But we'll work it out later. Sweet. Fair I love Lido. It's where I go. first place I go, then in the Astor whenever I go to Melbourne. Yeah. Sister Cinema of the Ritz now. Yep. Yeah. Lido, it's, yeah. Um, it's a really great space. Like, it is, yeah. Um, I feel like it's people kind of perceive it as tricky to get to because it's... Um, on in the east and most people are in the north or at least in my circles but yeah it's like 15 minutes from a city um door to door from my place now which is psycho um and yeah it's just uh they're really cool they're gonna let us fully deck the place out and do some really cool stuff with it so i'm i'm really excited to hang out there yeah been to a few festivals there but this i'm i'm keen like i'm gonna go down to melbourne soon i love northcote and that part of the world but yeah. south around the Astor, around st kilda it's it's pretty great i've yeah. only heard good things about how the lido people are to work with so big ups to the lido. Uh, incredible people to work with um been super accommodating of us and yeah also i just i really do love 
what they've done with the site since the Renos. I think it was like 10 years ago or whatever, but it's a really, really, yeah, cool site. Big fan. And you've become an honorary Sydney person now, given that you split your time between Sydney and Melbourne. So yeah, yeah. welcome back to your former land. Yeah, yeah, I know. Now I'm mostly Melbourne, so uh, apologies to everyone. But yeah, this is like an international guest today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. No, you're one of, one of it's us. It's the COVID equivalent. Static Vision International CEO. <laughs> yeah. we, we, were out, we were out last week at a bar we ran into you, so you are from Sydney. Like You are a local. Yeah, yeah. But I'm he is a local because he's actually from Sydney. <laughs> yeah. like, you don't need to get that technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Is ours known? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, um, you know, with the loosening of the borders, uh, I'm out of my eight month lockdown or whatever it was in Melbourne. So yeah, I'm coming back a little bit, back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So, and you're here because we're going to be discussing Women in the Window later in the program. Yeah. Your favorite? Oh, look, I'm so passionate about this film. Yeah. Uh, not, not particularly in any way. I'm just passionate about the existence, that it is a film that exists and is on Netflix. Yeah, and just in <laughs> general, Windows and Women in the Windows. Big, big fan of women, big fan of Windows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> please don't misinterpret that, listeners. So, um, we, I just watched yeah. Hollow Man and, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I'm a big fan of Hollow Man. I, I was not, not my personal one. style, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely making this less weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was not a weird comment at all, and now now it's yeah. been taken to very strange and, and look. If there's any places. women out there in the window, don't worry. I'm 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 averting my eyes. I'm just <laughs> right. a big fan of Netflix originals existing. <laughs> right. Uh, not really, but like theoretically, but yeah. We'll get to later, but it's interestingly not a Netflix original. Well, actually. no, it's a Fox 2000. I'm a big fan of Fox 2000. I'm a big fan of their closure. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, we are talking Netflix because the first thing we're talking about, as promised, is Zack Snyder's new film produced with Deborah Snyder, Army of the Dead. Long awaited. It is streaming on Netflix. It is exactly what it sounds like. It stars Dave Batista and an Ocean's Eleven of zombie killers, hunters. And it is about, essentially, Las Vegas has been walled off because of a zombie event. It is occupied entirely by zombies, and some folks who go in, the US government, in their eternal wisdom, have decided to nuke it. On the 4th of July for a cool fireworks show. Apparently the president's universe says something to the effect of, this is awesome, it's going to be totally cool, we know what they're aping it's, here. Yeah, 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 say it's Trump without saying it's Trump. And this crew, knowing this a lot of money in a vault in Vegas and knowing that if they get in and get out, their crime will forever be, any evidence thereof will forever be obliterated by the nuclear bomb, they decide we're going to go in and make some cash. Felix, what do we think? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, um, look, I, I quite like Zack Snyder on occasion. Um, probably earlier, Snyder's more my jam. I do really like Watchmen. Um but yeah, this was a this was an interesting one because I did quite like his um, Dawn of the Dead remake as well. And for all the stuff I would normally criticize a film like this about uh, being too long, um, at two hours and sixteen minutes or whatever it is, it doesn't actually feel that long. It, it, it it's pretty briskly paced. Um, I do think that it still has the signature. I don't know. The subtext is a bit too obvious on certain stuff and a bit lacking in areas where it should be. It's got a bit of a muddy palette, uh, whatever else. But, you know, all things considered, didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. 
was like, yeah, yeah, needed more needle drops, essentially. Yeah. Oh, the last thing I needed was needle drops. The song choices were terrible. The covers were terrible. Okay. Except for the Can wonderful we... Cranberries cover, which should not have been in the movie. Zombie is a protest yeah, song. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think it's the exact I mean, opposite. The Cranberries cover was bad. Cranberries, no, it's no, it's no, not no. a Cranberries cover. It's from the 2017 acoustic album, something else. Okay. It's actually the Cranberries. Okay, the Cranberries zombie thing, to get ahead of that, because it's all everyone's complaining about with this film. Right. Where people are like, oh, but Zombie's actually about the IRA and da 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 Yeah. Yes, it is. Big fan of the RA. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. not, okay, now we have Fight and Film Fight Club. Okay, <laughs> okay, sure. That's what it was written about. But Zombie is actually a song that people slow when they're drunk at bars. At this point, like to say, like, actually, this song's about the IRA almost seems like a little bit like trying to hold on to something that's already lost. But it's, it's a, it's a I, song I, that a whole bunch of people rocked out to when it came out, not knowing a thing about what it was really about. Yes, but right? you also just generally rock out yeah. to it. It's not actually about zombies. That's a stretch to say it is, in fact, about a zombie I'm virus. not saying it's, in yeah. fact, about a zombie, but I still thought it was funny that Zack Snyder I, used to I would say it. that it, it does, in fact, have the word zombie in it, though. And we're watching a zombie movie and... And it also I, has the word bombs. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. a zombie movie involving bombs. And this is part of my issue with Zack Snyder's stuff in general. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I am watching a zombie movie with bombs in it, but I got that from what you showed me on screen. All I his needle drops are always that. Need, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it but just shows how passionate we are about this movie that instead of talking about the movie, we're talking about the song. <laughs> the Cranberries, who are wonderful and much better artists. No, that's not fair. Zack Snyder has made some excellent films discussed in the past few weeks, and I, yeah. I like a lot of things about Like uh, Guardians, The Legends of Gahul. I haven't um, seen that. That's the only Zack Snyder <laughs> movie I haven't seen yeah, yet. Yeah, no, um, I, I would say this is probably one of his better ones, I think. I, I, I did actually quite like the Snyder Cut. This has interesting parallels to the Snyder Cut. One thing I really did notice about it is they, in Snyder Cut, they spend like two hours putting the team back together, and this yeah. does have... A lot, 45 a long time. minutes of, like, each person getting brought back together. And I think I actually kind of like that. Yeah. I, I, think I did, I like, too. Yeah. I actually really like Snyder's slow pacing, which seems to be yeah. really pissing a lot of people off. But I'm yeah. okay with it. Like, what's weird about the pacing of this film is, given that it's so basic, yeah, it shouldn't play as well as it does over nearly yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it goes by quickly. I didn't feel it dragging, even though there's nothing new in the script. This, yeah. I don't know what it is that makes this movie so watchable. I think it's how sincere Snyder is. Yeah, I think he's I just think so. He, yeah, he's so blatantly efficient in how he handles exposition, setting up the characters. There are about ten of them, and we get to know about each of them. It's extraordinarily fun how they do that. Oh, so we know how the main characters value them because of the increasingly smaller amounts of money they offer them, which is a funny gag. That was in a, that's itself. actually one of the most interesting things mm. about the movie. How um, people, you know, are sort of like, yeah, sure, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, sure, two fifty grand. I feel like more could have been done with the Vegas setting, both in terms of. How, you know, iconography mm. simply. Yeah, iconography. Yeah, yeah. There's some great moments. Like the opening sequence um, uses Vegas better than pretty much all of the rest of the film. Agreed. Yeah. I also um, think the opening sequence. Oh, is except for the, except for an animal. The rest I'll of the say. film. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's an animal where Vegas is, I think, better deployed. Again, Vegas iconography. Yeah. Right. But it, it's not very. Um, it's not. Uh, despite what the poster portrays, it's not a very neon movie. It doesn't really have a lot of casino. Th- Law iconography, and I get that it's like decaying and stuff, mm. but the it, it looks like a filter as opposed to dust and but death. The I, one I, think, I think that part of the problem is production design in terms of how much is there. In fact, I think it. I think actually, not that. 
I think actually almost all of it's there. I think that Snyder's choices, a lot of people I've spoken to, including you and including uh, yeah, yeah, some I other mean, people. Do we need to, yeah, we'll get to the uh, canon dreamland and yeah, whether it yeah, works yeah. or not. A, a lot of people are yeah. saying like, oh, he's, he's just hiding that this is all green screen. Apparently not. It looks more real than most of his films, and, it, and mm. it's, it's rewarding in that way. Yeah, I have to say as well on that, uh, the I totally forgot the Chris Dahlia stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, There's um, only one shot where you can tell that yeah. he's been replaced, and it's one. It's the hardest shot to match because the camera's pulling back. Yeah, exactly. And that's the only time I could tell. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was well handled. Some of the most impressive CGI you've seen in decades. <laughs> uh, just on that. Not in the film in general. There's some pretty bad, dicey stuff in there now and then. Although, yeah, I, I, I do like that. Okay, so as I see it, like, a lot of CGI stuff sort of kind of stalled around, like, Life of Pi time. We haven't really moved beyond that. And, and that, you know, when I think of Life of Pi and CGI, I think about the VFX studio going under. Completely. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the why. moment when, yeah, the, yeah. the cost of CGI became the, the hurdle as opposed to technological advancements. Yeah, exactly. And I, what, I, what I really appreciate about this, what I sort of appreciate about the Snyder Cut, which, again, I've got, like, huge issues with Snyder Cut, but it, 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 it kind of works what it's doing. Um... Zack Snyder is just as concerned with the emotion of the film and the flow of the script and everything else as he is in making each element look correct. Like, there's been conscious decisions in Army of the Dead to obscure the replacement of Chris Daly with Tignataro. There's other stuff that just, like, lets the CGI stuff, like CGI blood splatter and all like that, uh, just feel more organic in the way they've graded on top of that and it's, it's just it's, we noticed it yeah. comparing the weed into the snyder yeah, color grades totally you could see that his desaturated style is designed to make an almost entirely green screen film work yeah he's completely. been he's figured that out since 300 completely and it it, it really works here yeah. it's an interesting counterpoint to the film we're going to discuss a little bit later the general saturation it works quite well i like the color. most of it's filmed during the day the bits that are in low light in interior i can see what's going on to the film's credit okay so to discuss the dream lens that Virat alluded to because i think it's one of the cinematography is one of the most interesting things about this film for better or worse and zach was himself doesn't he was the dp yeah, yeah because he decided um he fell in love with this lens he'd acquired for his leica right a 60s exotic mm. canon rangefinder lens and he got it cinemodded um when he when red gave him a camera to play with and he decided that he loved the rendering that it goes um, to when you open it wide open to f0.95. So if you don't know photography, f0.95 is ridiculously wide aperture, extreme shallow depth of field. It was used for Renee Son's painting callback and several other um, tableaus right. within this film, which were some of the best parts. Okay, so it um, the lens at f0.95, like a lot of exotic lenses, introduces some weird visual qualities Um so there's a little bit of a ghosting effect um, or, and some haloing around lights and stuff like that. Snyder decided he wanted that look, which goes away when you stop the lens down, for the whole film and that no other DP would accept the, those kinds of conditions, so he decided to shoot it himself. Yeah, um, king. Yeah, sometimes it looks really cool. Um, I, I think the, the approach to lighting, where he's um, shot this film pretty roughly, used minimal lighting... Um, it actually looks really good. It gives it this raw, rough-around-the-edges the kind of vibe, which suits a zombie film, right? It makes it, in some ways, feel like a lower-budget film than it is. Like when I, I don't know if it's just conditioning, but when I see all this shallow depth-of-field stuff, I look at that and I go, oh, yeah, amateur film shot on Canon 5D. People are trying to go cinematic by making the depth-of-field as, as shallow as possible. Mm. Um, 
sometimes it looks really cool. Like it, it, it is a unique look. Mm. Um, but other times it creates that feeling that they're hiding a lack of production design when I think there's actually a lot there. And as um, much as it might create a visual inconsistency between some shots, if you were to sacrifice these wide open characteristics, um, which are the sort of thing you see in, in a, a, a stills lens, but not in a cinema lens because cinema lenses are designed to be consistent between shots. Um, I think it still would have been better if he'd stopped the damn thing down um, you know, not, it kind of forces everything into into close up when the depth of field is that narrow. And I think there's some, that's one of my bigger issues of the film, and that it leads to his style of pacing, and that he's more focused rather than maintaining momentum of action on generating a few key images that are going to stay with you. These things that you take away for the trailers, you get to remember. Um, just some good ones here. Yeah. There's some great ones, no question. Justice League, both versions had that too. It worked in the latter because there were, the film was just so long. It had so many mm. of these. It felt like more of a complete film. Here, I can recall about 10 or more of these moments, and they are great, mm. but they stand in contrast and stark outside the story rather than an endemic part of it. And that's a lot of the problem I had that's with the style and pacing of this movie. Yeah, and, and also on that note, a lot of those moments are using CG and the dream lens has such shallow depth of field but the CG is all deep focus so they don't look visually consistent simulating what the dream lens was doing in CG would probably add a lot more budget to this thing than Netflix was going to throw at it mm. but uh, also in comparing with action choreography I mean if you have uh, especially zombie sequences which require fast cuts and editing it's very inconsistent which kind when of you can't see much in the shot yeah. it's rather it cleanly sh- shot and cut a zombie film Relatively speaking. Mm. Look, when we were talking earlier about um, the lack of, like, the floors in Vegas and, you know, using the spaces that Vegas provides, the one scene that really does it, which you've seen in all the trailers with Dave Bautista running, running across the tables, was really cool action, right? Oh, it was great. That, that mm. was one of, like, that's the thing about Zack Snyder. He knows how to stage an action scene. Mm. Um, that, that was just so clean. It was John Wick-style action, but much more visceral in terms of the camera placement and the handheld movements going on, it had much better sense of energy than, than those films or nobody provided that, that same kind of like gunplay. Yeah, I think that's maybe like ultimately my issue with Zack Snyder is I think he's incredibly talented, but mostly I don't vibe with the film. So it's stuff like the action scenes will be perfect or have this great look or there's this great concept behind it. I'm really glad that he is kind of making films um, and people are supporting that. And obviously it doesn't always sit particularly well with critics, but it's like the he, for better or worse, like he is the true vulgar auteur as people kind of discuss it with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like my issue with some of the John Wick stuff where I think those guys are way better stunt coordinators than they are directors. And it's like, yeah, in this film, there's all this stuff I love about it and it would be so incredible if I could love the film as much as I enjoy elements. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like some of the images around the zombie king character and the queen and stuff and the tiger, all of that's really cool. Um, You know, the the moment that he takes to um, look at like flowing blinds for a few moments um, just to set the pace of the scene. Mm. Awesome, right? Um, Yeah, some of those like tableaus there, but... This is just one of many subplots that could have been delved into a lot more. That whole I am legend type idea of, of yeah. the the organized zombies is awesome, right? Yeah. But why didn't we have more of that and less sort of by the numbers? Yeah. Or conversely, why, why didn't you remove that and go more by more, the numbers right, exactly. for a shorter runtime? It's just imbalanced. It's either, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that's where it, where it works really well um, on Justice League the Snyder Cut because it is completely imbalanced and it's like 
honestly and openly imbalanced, but it means that everything that should be there is there. And yeah. the only stuff that kind of lulls is stuff that came from the original cut that was bad anyway, but it's like you're not going to reshoot it. Just just reuse these dumb one-liners that don't right, fill right. in place. Um, yeah, I have to say... Sorry, I'm totally interrupting. Vera, I was ready to say something, but I do have to say I really, really like that... This is these are the sort of projects that I think streaming services should be funding. Is the Snyder Cut? Is Army of the Dead? Is this stuff that doesn't necessarily need to exist in the cinema? It can be sprawling. It can be for your TV. It can be for your streaming. And it goes long as it needs to, even the though. Irishman, yeah. And it goes long as it needs to, even though the epilogue for this film was unnecessary and too long. It could have been a couple of minutes. It was all of like ten he minutes. He did the same it was goddamn way too thing. long. And it doesn't. It just at this yeah. point, the, this, uh, the arc for the film, the arc for the characters, had ended. It didn't need this aha moment. And aha moment it's, is minutes. It doesn't need to be as lengthy as it was in this case. It's the same damn frustrating thing he did with the Snyder Cut, where yeah. the story's over, but he robs you of the ability to um, have a sense of completion by you know giving you the after the credits stuff before the credits roll after like five yeah. seconds of black. I liked it in I liked it in Justice League. I actually kind of did it's too. It's a proof of concept, and it's like the yeah. film that's never going to get made. Whatever. I know heaps of people ragged on it online. I actually I like, liked it. I like it. Whatever. I liked it yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we have finally hit the nail on the head in terms of like what the actual problem with the film is. Uh, Zach is great in doing one perfect shot moment. Like mm-hmm. a lot of still images, which would make for great. Oh my god! Let me take a screenshot, and this is a great yeah. wallpaper for my wall or something for whatever teenage goth emo kid is watching. Uh, but when you look at the coherence and storytelling and screenplay, and looking at a narrative which can actually give you the kind of payoff they're expecting from even a genre film, mm. I don't think it is doing its service to its own genre in that sense. But I think what does do it a bit service is that unlike most zombie films, and it's not entirely clear, but there's a relatively clear approach to the rules of this universe. Um, what the, the, the zombie hierarchy, I like the I Am Legend approach. I like the different levels of zombies. I think the upper tier of zombies was a little unclear as to what extent they were powerful. Mm. But I thought the lore around zombies, and especially how we are first introduced them, is much better in this than in a lot of other movies, including how we introduced the zombies in one of my all-time favorite zombie thrillers, um, Danny Boyle film. Danny Boyle's greatest approach to this in 28 Days Later. Yeah. um, To talk a bit about the plot of this thing, a lot of it's lifted from aliens, right? A lot of the, like the company man who wants to grab the the DNA, you know, that made sense in aliens in a way that it kind of doesn't here. But, you know, sure, okay. I guess that zombies are a great... Send along your representative. You need a twist that you know is going to be a twist at some point in the movie. The helicopter pilot, like, they're they're like, oh, they're all hibernating. Like, there's so many parts of this. And it led to one of the best action scenes because it didn't... Something involving the zombies, let's just say, and and that uh, approach to how they could function that didn't expect was great. But um, I think Zack Snyder just needs to, you know write the story and have someone else write the script because like the emotional core stuff of this is frighteningly terrible. Right. But the thing is like, when I say it's surprising how much I didn't mind this and I, I'm not sure what it is, I guess it's just Snyder's handle of visuals and his sincerity, you know, and that it's not just, doesn't just feel like a corporate product as clumsy as it is because like, man, some of the things he's trying fall so flat, like any, like there's this kind of, quality that I associate with a Netflix film now where everything's just allowed to be loose everything's just allowed to like hang a bit and go on and everything long. is flattened right you know there is a mm. consistency in how everything is flat in the sense like it needs to be smoothed over I guess in that sense this is still a pretty raw film yep. the fact yeah. that you can see inconsistencies makes it kind of fresh and leap out of the page 
Yeah, um, I, I wonder if that's the thing that's giving it that lack of a corporate feel that I'm talking about, that it is a bit loose like that, and that mm. the cinematography does go to, like, low-budget run-and-gun kind of styles of lighting and things like that. But, like, th- yeah, the scenes with Bautista talking to his daughter and, like, the setup of, like, the refugee camp and stuff, it's a cool world, it's interesting enough, but yeah. it's so badly written, and the scenes, those scenes just go on for a really long time. I, again, got that, like, amateur filmmaking kind of vibe with some of the scenes um, between um, Scott Bautista and his daughter where um, it kind of feels like they're improving and the, the actors are looking for an approach and Snyder's just let it all play out in the final cut. Yeah, I feel the political elements to this, they're pretty broadly drawn. There's enough that makes it relevant. I wish it had gone into whether it be the immigration focus, whether it be actually to the extent that the COVID-19 pandemic is relevant in the context of how some of the action plays out. But they, it's very service level, but they are trying to cover a lot here. I'm touching on the father-daughter relationship like Justice League. There's a lot of elements to this that um, are sadly metatextual. We discussed on yeah. last, uh, we discussed Justice League, the great tragedy in Zack and Deborah Snyder's life. I think, however, the film works better when you're aware of the metatextual element. On a pure reading where you aren't familiar with um, the background to this, I think it is a very broadly drawn drama. In That's that right. It wouldn't, yeah. If Knowing what you know about Zack Snyder, um, there is an extra emotional level there that would, that is, like, the ideas aren't communicated well enough on a purely filmmaking basis. No. So Do we have anything more to say about the zombie extravaganza? No, if you wanted to see it, you've already seen it. If you didn't, um, don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, we're preaching yeah. to the converted, we're preaching yeah. to the choir. If you love Zack Snyder, you're going to like this maybe and, and maybe you still will have issues but he's still gonna like it because most of his uh positives are still there if and you've heard it's terrible and you enjoy zombie movies and if you enjoy zombie movies you probably enjoy it's around the than average movies. zombie film yeah. absolutely so you probably like this yeah. yeah yeah so that is army of the dead it is now streaming on netflix you're listening to film fight club on 2scr with clinton falconstein chris evans right Nehru, and felix hubble from static vision the next one we're talking about is the woman in the window yeah, um, this is. I mean, I wanted to get this out of the way because I'm getting confused with the women in the windows and the girl, the girl in the train. I got it confused and too. The girls in like, front of the windows. When this movie was coming out, I was like, "Hey, hey, didn't that already come out?" Look, I've read, well, like, I've read Winds in the Willows, and it's a great story. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. I love that movie. John Cleese, <laughs> off shots. Oh yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah um, there's was the best. so many post Gone Girl titles and like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Airport Thriller. They came out separately. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I acknowledge. Um, look. I thought this was all right. Everyone's hating on it, but um, and for, for good reason a lot of the time. It's a terrible, terrible script. It is such a by-the-numbers thriller. But, um, you know, it's like rear window plus standard predictable kind of twists for this kind of thing. I dug how it was directed. Um, it's easy to say it's Hitchcockian. It's not really Hitchcockian at all. It's more like um, everyone who's trying to ape Hitchcock around like the late 70s, early 80s. It's more disturbing, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another film I don't like. I do not like that film. You're not selling it for me. But there's some yeah. real, like, I'm trying to be, like, doing a giallo or I'm trying to do a yeah. De Palma-type direction. There's some really ludicrously over-the-top stuff, like blood splatters across the screen as a scene transition. It's yeah. really... I like that bit. That was probably that was my favourite cool. bit in the film. Yeah, yeah I, like, I like that too. There's some cool stuff with colour. Um, like, I like how the framing... Um, Felix was saying earlier, too many things going on in the frame. Yeah. But for me, this is one of the few recent movies that's used the wide frame well, where I think the wide frame just looks better if you have um, multiple things going on in it instead of just, like, close-ups. Um, I think more movies should be shot in the, the narrower frame, but that's another round. 
Um, I mean, that doesn't forgive. I mean, that's great. I mean, everything else. But most actors in this film are just kind of phoning well, it Gary in. Gary Oldman was so bad. Yeah. Like, what, what are they doing? Even Amy Adams. Like, that is the one thing I feel really sorry about. She's a good actress. Yeah. What is she doing in this movie? Um, this is like Nocturnal Animals, the, but lesser. The plot which is, of this is, Nocturnal Animals is not a bad movie. The plot of this is that okay. Amy Adams can't leave an apartment. She's looking out the window and then thriller stuff happens, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's probably important. <laughs> she, has, she has agoraphobia. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's also really feels like uh, 2007 again, I would say. Hmm. Um, there's a like level of shade and gloss to it. It's probably worth noting this is a film that's been shelved for about two years. And back on what I was saying about Army of the Dead and Netflix and what they fund and what they pick up before, this is the sort of film I absolutely don't want going out as a Netflix original, like Annihilation. Very polished. Yeah, it should be in a theater or like direct to VOD and then picked up by Netflix later. I really don't like the concept of these sorts of films, even though I hated this one, if I'm being frank. Um, I really don't like the idea of these sorts of films not getting a theatrical run, even if it's like a shitty one or whatever else, or at least kind of being intended for theatrical run. I don't like the repackaging of this stuff as Netflix material because it really feels like someone made a film to screen in film festivals and in the cinema. It does. I agree with you. But at the end of the day, I think Disney didn't want it. Yeah, which is fair enough um, because it's not very good, but and it's not very Disney. Um, it is very Fox Two Thousand though. We mentioned oh, it yeah, was a Fox hey. Two Thousand production. It, it seems a lot like um, Fox's not mainline, but kind of off to the side thrillery stuff they used to make in you know two thousand seven, two thousands, whatever else. Yeah, look, Amy Adams. She vacillates between giving a great performance and a terrible performance. It's very good in the hysterical woman sort of like canon of that stuff i think it's a bit closer to some earlier stuff than it is um airport lit um adaptations even though it is an airport lit adaptation Mm. um look i normally really like tracy letts um i really hated the script on this one unfortunately uh you know yeah the, the, yeah the script is really bad um the twist is really bad yeah the twist is, is it that it's obvious or stupid? Really obvious, bit of, bit of kind both. of yeah. cliche, more than kind of cliche. As you've seen it before. It's, you, okay. You've seen everything in this movie before. Well, okay. well, yeah, they also they introduce six or seven characters and then you're left to work out what the twist could be within that. And there's two twists and they're both... What would happen? What are, what are my three hypotheses? There's no, the, yeah. no hypotheses. There's no, there's no there's surprises. No surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like Joe Wright who I've never really put... Um, I haven't seen Pan, but I've never considered him as a, uh, you know, in any way kind of like experimental in his mm. approach kind of filmmaker. I feel like he's going wild here, and yeah. that, that's what kept me entertained. Like yeah, the, yeah. Um, it's the, the use of colours, like I was talking about earlier. Um, the blocking for widescreen actually done really well, I thought. Um, the It's trying too hard to be a B-movie. Yeah, well, I, I think you're, you're you're right. Like Army yeah. of the Dead, we saw something that's genuinely B movie like, and here yeah. this is like an an A movie that's really trying to be a B movie. Yeah, it, it's it's confused between having that glossy sheen mm. and then also doing you know De Palma style blood spatters. So like you know, big, yeah, but, pick your boat, <laughs> and also having prestige performers yeah. in in these roles. You know that we've seen do similar films, most of them. Um, previously and uh, yeah it's kind of an issue when you try and cash in on that although I do wonder because they did reshoot a bunch of this film after audience notes it's kind of got a little bit of that feel in the edit Um, yeah yeah. the ending of this 
to me, screams of reshoot. Yeah. Not only is it really rushed and dumber than the rest of the movie, yeah. but it also feels stylistically different. Like It's, it's more vicious, almost. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, I feel like even if Joe Wright directed that part, you know, he's coming at it with a different mindset probably like a year later. Like, you can totally. feel the, the difference in the approach. It feels like that ending, like, the film itself feels like you're kind of targeting, like, later 20s, early 30s, even 40s sort of audiences, and that ending feels like almost teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Everything becomes about the, becomes the Terminator at the end these days. Yeah, totally, totally. I don't know, would I recommend people see it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. But they, yeah, watch it. <laughs> can I just say, the, the way that... Um, technology was used and filmed in this movie was really cool yes i liked um the the zooming in on the massive massive grain on the smartphone video um putting that next to yeah okay i'll, the, I'll the agree with that dark low, low lit amy adams um i um i don't even know that i liked the moment but the part where um amy adams takes a, a photo with her phone and then suddenly it flies up on screen and there's this like zooming picture out of the frame effect like it's the kind of moment that made me say, "Hang on, what was that?" Which is so rare. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, like it's an the, attempt to represent how we engage with with uh, smartphones visually um, that I hadn't seen much before. Right. Yeah. The, the la- now, I'd never seen before. The, la- the last time I think that kind of effect was uh, prevalent, and I can think of is personal shopper. Yes. Which did a very similar thing in. But that was just sort of like filming people using phones, whereas this sometimes does that and sometimes tries to like visualize what's on the phone as if it's taking up your entire field of view. Like it's it's used for spooky effects, especially when the messages came in without realizing in in personal shopper. So it's doing a similar thing where you're using technology for jump scares. So it's just yeah. taking yeah. that and then transporting it. I mean, you know, Static Vision, Golden Boy, Eugene Kotlyarenko, Spree, Wolf Palace, whatever else, he's doing his own thing. But um, yeah, it is really cool to see this in like very. Like proper budget, this was supposed to be in a the glossy slate. movie, a right? Glossy it's movie. Strange. It's yeah. interesting. This like, was I, supposed to be there, like go on the train or something right. like that. You know, like a October sell a bunch of tickets sort yeah. of movie. Yeah, I, I give it props just for being a mainstream film that is trying unusual things visually. Yeah, and the, and it looks very good. You know, I would have liked this digital in the these days. I have to say, yeah. I would have liked it in the cinema. I did not like it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's it's trashy, but there was, I don't know. I, I guess a, a straightforward in the right places and uh, over the top visual experimentation in the right places for me that I basically enjoyed it until the last stretch. It's yeah. not, I wouldn't say it's a great movie or anything, but like, you know, you take what you get from Hollywood these days. Take what you can get, and this is this is the most positive the most I've seen. <laughs> this is the most positive I've seen Chris being on middling cinema for a while. There are two basically okay movies, which are very straight down the line plots, um, executed a little bit differently from the kind of corporate chain that's on every major mm. release in the cinemas. So I'm cool with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't. I think I like Army of the Dead more, but I probably watch Girl in the Woman in the Window. I'm sorry, I was going to say Girl on the Train. Or no, 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 but, but, yeah, but no, I, I think pro- props for that, actually. I think yeah. the girls have uh, migrated to women, so I think yeah. they've definitely uh, aged in that regard. In the last in 10 the- years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to age with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, interesting. Two Netflix releases, kind of different, kind of similar in their thing. But uh, please, for the love of God, any studio listening out here, stop selling completed movies to Netflix. Just fucking dump them on VOD and then get Netflix to pick them up six months later. I know you'll make less money, but it's good for everybody. It's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. Yeah. When you were saying that this movie has... Like a edit that made you think this is a result of the reshoots? How was that? Um, oh, no, just the entire vibe of the movie felt like... It's it, very lean. It's lean and it tonally doesn't... It, it doesn't run together perfectly. It doesn't... Uh, it, it just... It's got that feel of most things that have had reshoots in the... They make what they can work as much as they can, but the edit just feels off. And at first I thought I didn't like the cinematography or the editing, but I actually just think it's it's some sort of incongruence in uh, studio notes, test audience stuff, and reshot footage inserted back in. I'm sure if I watched it again with an eye to it, I only read that after I'd seen the film, I'd be able to identify it. But right. it's, definitely, it's definitely got that feeling to it. Um, which, again, yeah, I, to bring back something we were talking about before, uh, Snyder Cut has that feeling as well, except it's mm. a different effect. It's but it's the, the scraps yeah. kind of that make the whole, whereas this but feels The Snyder Cut had a um, consistency to the vision, even as it went on yes. all these um, tangents that I, I felt more fully than in something like Woman of the Window or Army of the Dead. Yes. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I guess that's a gestation period of, like, yeah. six or seven years, really. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, I right. wonder if Army of the Dead was just kind of, like, I'm glad to be making movies again and kind of tossed off on Zack Snyder's... Yeah, mind. well, I mean, it, the, the story is that they conceived of it after Dawn of the Dead or whatever, but that doesn't mean they actually wrote it. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> yeah, mean that it actually exists. I saw him yeah. say that it went from Netflix saying, yeah, sure, let's make that movie to being filmed really quickly. The script yeah. was written really quickly. Yeah. It, I had no yeah. idea it was coming out until it came out. Basically, I was like, oh, we made another one. Cool. That's yeah. the way Netflix promotes stuff, though. Hey, yeah. there's no marketing until like a month in advance. And why would that be? Yeah, totally, totally. Because I don't know. You um, just need to know it exists at the time. So yeah, consume it straight away. Yeah. A lot taking the conversation way back to Army of the Dead again, since we, yeah. we've found our way back there. Um, one last thing. What do we think of Dave Bautista? It's one of his better performances. I feel like his best performance is Blade Runner. He's actually yeah. very good in Guidance of the Galaxy. Um, yeah. He was he was both charming, action-orientated, and empathetic in this, to the more than you would expect from this sort of thriller. I think he's a good actor. Script. And I think he was um, on good form here. I'm actually going to... My hot take is I think he's a better actor than Dwayne Johnson. Dude, way better. Come on. No, a lot of people don't like... Uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, just charisma. Not even that. That's that. all you need to have. That's true. But also, I don't even think Dwayne Johnson has any charisma, to be honest. No, he totally does. He absolutely has charisma. He has a winning he's smile. He's very charming, and he's <laughs> very funny. Smile. He's great in Jumanji in those films, but he's not a dramatic actor. You know there's a like serial called Young Rock now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't care. I generally don't but care. But yeah, Dave Bautista is, is totally different to Dwayne Rock, because... If we're comparing, like, you know, former WWE wrestlers who he, made the transition. Right, like, he, look, he feels so real and so sincere in yeah. this yeah. movie. Like, I mean, it's almost, like, incongruous with the tone of the film to some extent. He's, he's almost giving too good a performance for the material. Yeah. I think at the end of the day we can just all agree that ex-WWE performers are way better than ex-UFC performers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so point in on that. Yeah. Um, don't yeah. do my boy The Rock like that. He's good. <laughs> he's, um... 
Yeah, he, he was good. He, yeah, but I, 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 I a good yeah. president. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. John Cena. John Cena's good. I mean, yeah. look, they're they're better than most actors. Let's be honest. It's yeah. like, what is WWE if not acting? It's acting, and yeah, like they pop what? up. What? <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Real to me, damn it. Oh, oh no. Yeah. yeah. Um. But no, there's there's. I don't know. It's like a different acting school. Everyone's getting this formal training and they are just coasting by on charisma, but that's kind of cool. That you and need better that. physical yeah, yeah. performance than a lot of Hollywood actors. Look at Batista running over the craps tables. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. When, he, when he pushes the table in this, you feel it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you feel he can do that. Well, who, who, who are they going to get to be a stunt double for this guy? Seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 some he, other he, wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he, had, he had an inspector. He had it here. Yeah, yeah. So, and then a big shout to Tig. Tig did a great job. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, it's just really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So two flicks streaming on Netflix. Felix, thanks for coming on. Thanks very much for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And we'll be back next week. Let us know what you want us to fight about. And you can check out Static Vision and the screenings coming up at Lido and in Sydney. Yep. And, yeah, have a wonderful night or whenever you're listening. Enjoy movies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Zombie, zombie. <laughs> <laughs>